Welcome to the February edition of the Cinetopia radio show and podcast. I'm Amanda, your host, and also one of the founders of Cinetopia, based in Edinburgh. We're going to be reviewing four films that have been recently released in the UK. Blue Jean, directed by Georgia Oakley. Subjects, directed by Jennifer Tixiera and Camilla Hall. Nostalgia, directed by Mario Martione, and also the premiere of the Glasgow Film Festival, the film Girl, uh, directed by Adora Anashile. We'll also be doing our Oscar predictions and our a little bit of a preview of the Glasgow Film Festival, which is coming up, as well as me sitting down with Maria Ledian, the director of the fabulous film Electric Melody, all on this show. So join in. Welcome to our February show. I'm here with uh, Gary today. Gary, uh, yeah, happy February. Are you enjoying the, <laughs> the 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 wonderful weather that we have are bestowed upon us? Uh, yes, it's uh, it's been good film watching weather, I think. Um, and luckily for us, there's been so many films out. Um, it's kind of like this funny time in film where we're at the tail end of the award season, but there's still some releases trickling out in the UK and then there's um festivals starting as well we've got Berlin's on just now and Glasgow's next month so we're kind of like in that super busy super uh, packed stage of films which is great for us yeah it is and I was um I mean the nice thing is that the cinemas that are still around seem to be quite busy in in Edinburgh I um yeah I went to the the cameo last night and there was uh there was the film we'll be talking about uh there was a an umbrella showing of the of the documentary subject um that's directed mm-hmm. by jennifer tixiera and camilla hall and that was at cameo with a q a and um and then i also saw blue jean there which is directed by georgia oakley and those are two films we'll be reviewing on the show um, we'll also be reviewing Nostalgia by Mario Martone, and we'll be talking about um, the Glasgow, just kind of like the preview of the Glasgow Film Festival, because we'll be doing our own uh, Glasgow Film Festival special as we normally do. And uh, to sort of start it off, we are reviewing Girl, which is opening um, the Glasgow Film Festival this year. And that's uh, directed by Adora Onashile. But we got to get to the as as you said, Gary. It is it is it is festival season. Sundance has ha- happened. Rotterdam happened, and then also, um, you know, right now we're in the Berlinale, which I, I feel a little bit of FOMO not going this year because <laughs> last year I was there trying to do the edit of this uh, radio show and also trying to catch as many films as possible. But now I so hopefully maybe next year. Um, but it's a, it's an exciting period where lots of films are, I mean, lots of films are going to be coming out very soon. We have our Glasgow Film Festival in Scotland that's about to happen, but it is award season. And I know Jim couldn't make it um, today. I'm sure he's deeply disappointed because we do. I think, Gary, you were with me last time when we were doing Oscar predictions and, and whatnot. And we're, yep. we're two of the people who don't mind uh the chat around this 
I also sat down with Marie Ledean, who is the director of the fantastic documentary Electric Malady. Um, and actually, uh, Marie, alongside Georgia, um, is nominated as part of the BAFTA's uh, feature debut. So it was, uh, it was Marie's feature debut, um, and she was nominated. Uh, we don't know as we were, were sitting here um, before uh, on the Sunday afternoon before the BAFTA's um, a premiere in the evening, but all the all the good luck for all of them um, with After Sun there as well. So it's a really strong lineup of British uh, featured debuts this uh, this year. But um, but we will get to uh, talking about our favorite thing, especially since Jim is not here today, unfortunately, not to join in our on our our famous famous obsession with uh, uh oscars and 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 whatnot and uh but gary is and gary is a person who likes oscar predictions as well yeah it's a shame that jim's not here today to, to record with us but um yeah we can we can fill in for him um <laughs> yeah i'm i'm I, I think that this stage is almost this is the most interesting stage of the award season because i always like to see how the uh, the BAFTAs and then the uh, Screen Actors Guild and the Directors Guild, how those like impact upon the odds or people's predictions for the Oscars, which is like obviously the last uh, the last ceremony of the award season. Um, so yeah, so we'll see what happens tonight. But obviously, by the time people hear this, the BAFTAs will have already happened. Um, what do you think? Do you do you have any predictions for? best film for um, the Oscars of the Oscars. I was I I can't remember if you were on our uh Banshees of Inishirin uh radio show that we reviewed it. Did were you on that one? No, no, I didn't. Didn't review oh, so that one. With I, me. I I just have this strong feeling. I was the only one who wasn't like jumping up and down for for that film. And I it's not that I disliked it, it's just it wasn't it there I had some some issues with it at the time and I still sort of I still do if I had seen it if I would see it again. Um I just feel like that's gonna be a really strong contend contender across a lot of like a lot of the categories. I think that um Colin Farrell has a good chance. So so my my guess is that that could be one of the films that we'll see uh, like as a possible winner. Mm -hmm. I also think that Tar has a really good chance in a lot of categories as well. Um, I definitely think Kate Blanchett is almost, I would be shocked yeah. if she doesn't get the best um, actor in that category. I think, uh, I don't see... I, I didn't, the one thing I have not seen, so I need to ask you what you think of it, um, is I've not seen The Fablements. So I don't, I feel like that's kind of one of those, which okay. is this very classic Hollywood sort of film and yeah. about Hollywood. So that could really be a strong one as well. Yeah, I, I like The Fablements. I probably wasn't as blown away by it as uh, some people, but it's one of these films that's kind of, grown on me a little more like the week or so after I've uh, watched it and I feel like um, Spielberg still has he has a good chance I think he's the only person I think that could beat the Daniels in the best director race mm. and it was kind of neck and neck until today because the Daniels won the director's guild last night which has kind of put them uh, out in front for best director so 
we'll see. And Spielberg's not even nominated tonight for Best Director for the BAFTAs. So mm. um, it'd be an interesting one. I think like the Academy have obviously got a lot of love for Spielberg, so they might uh, they might lean towards him. So yeah, that's that's one that's still a little bit up in the air. I think some of the acting categories are pretty sewn up, um, especially for the Oscars. I think the supporting uh, categories, uh, Kei Kwan's going to win for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and yeah. Angela Bassett looks a sure thing for Wakanda Forever for Best Supporting. Um, I think it might go to Kerry Condon tonight for Banshees. Um, I think the race that I'm like, like you say, I agree with you. I think Kate Blanchett's going to win them all uh, in her category. <laughs> Can't see anybody coming close. Um, I think for I think the best actor category is probably the most interesting because it still seems like it could go one of three ways between Colin Farrell, Austin Butler, um, and Brendan Fraser for the whale. Brendan Fraser's out in front just now as a favourite, but it keeps kind of switching and changing. So if Colin Farrell wins a BAFTA. It'll be interesting to see what that'll do to the predictions for the Oscars. So, um, yeah, it's all all still to play for, I think, in these last few weeks. Can you tell me where you're getting this? This uh, is there like a, a great website where I can keep on top of? It? Is there? Oh. I mean, as I know, there is betting. Do you <clears throat> bet on this or? Uh... Uh, yeah, so there is like <laughs> you, you can kind of like keep across the betting sites, and there's a website called the Gold Derby as well that like updates the experts' opinions. Um, and I also follow, uh, there's a guy called Clayton Davis who writes for Variety. And he's a big, um, he's a big Oscar predictor. He was he was one of the ones, one of the first people last year to say that Coda was going to win Best Picture. Wow. So I, I jumped on that prediction as soon as I see, seen him predicting it. So yeah, I had, I'd back Colin Farrell like about three or four months ago at, 12 to 1 and now he's like 3 to 1 but he's still second favourite so I'm rooting for Colin Farrell but we'll see what happens I mean I'm rooting for Colin Farrell too <laughs> but actually I mean I, I really I really liked Paul Mezgal and I thought that was great that you know After Sun got a nomination that's not probably the one I would have expected that After Sun would have gotten I think it almost would have made best film or best director or you know you know mm -hmm. even well i mean it's a screenplay but the screenplay very very less words than than many you know these are the kinds of things when you're sort of a debut film you can sort of get best screenplay or something like that you, yeah, they, yeah. They, they tend to kind of pop in those um those realms so that was sort of a shock i liked him in it but i don't think that he'll take he'll take that category i i didn't i also didn't see the whale um so I, but it's, it's, it's one of those, you, you could, if you've seen it, let me know. I mean, it looks like he's done a wonderful job. It's also one of those like transformative and I'm, I'm saying this and only the, like I'm catching half, half, having watched the Oscars for years. It's not always the best film that makes it to me. Obviously there's quite a lot of films that, yeah. have, gone on that have been terrible. Titanic is my number one example. Um, but it's more about what, the Oscar, the 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 Motion Picture Academy yeah. thinks is good, and it tends to often go to someone who's like transformed themselves so much, whether it's physical or like you know they're playing a part that they you know that, that they wouldn't have been that 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 tends to get like picked 
in my mind and from my memory. So I would I would strongly go with Brendan Fraser as a possibility yeah, as well. I agree with you there. I think sometimes it's the it's the best marketing campaign that wins more than the best film. Um and yeah, Brendan Fraser does have that transformative um angle going for him. I also think that even though um Austin Butler and his performance, there's there's an element in transforming and and his performance because yeah. I feel like he he embodied Elvis. I thought he was terrific, and I actually think that everybody in the best actor category would be a deserving winner. I think like and it's interesting that all five of them, this is all their first Oscar nominee uh, nomination. So none of them have been nominated ever before. So really, yeah, which is quite rare, um, and makes it. I don't know, it makes it all the more interesting. So Yeah, of course. I mean, I didn't know that. And uh that that is interesting because I know as Brendan Fraser, it's it's a little bit of a comeback kid kind of thing mm-hmm. for him. And I would have assumed Colin had, but that's a, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think with the Golden Globes, <laughs> we had the opportunity to, you know, because you have the like motion picture or you know, you have the like, what is it, the musical and comedy yeah. it was such a random mixture of films put together that aren't dramas you know so like you get you get like twice as more of an opportunity to win in that situation which is and i always argue the i know the golden globes is a, you know it has some real problems as an organization but the you know the fun of people having some champagne and then getting very emotional on the stage is always a is always a is always a watch that I enjoy watching um and there were some really good uh, speeches uh you know sort of emotional speeches but it's good speeches yeah. I mean emotional speeches um but yeah I I do think uh it's probably gonna go to the dramas the drama that they tend those tend to be the ones that win not yeah, always the musicals it's funny with the Golden Globes because I think like because they divide it up into those categories of genre I guess uh, it just adds another layer of um discourse and backlash of like why is why is this nominated on that side or that's not a comedy or it's just um and you know like from Twitter everybody likes to voice their opinion on um <laughs> on, on the nominees and who who was uh who was snubbed which I feel like we should just ban as a term because there's no such thing. I don't think there's any such thing as a snub. I think like nobody, nobody's owed a nomination. They either get nominated or they're not. I don't think there's any snubs. Um, but yeah, and actually talking about the best picture nominee, I never really spoke about that earlier. But I think um, everything, everywhere, all at once is the favorite at the moment. But Banshees of Inisherin is set to win the BAFTA, so. I think that one still could go either way, but I always like these last few weeks to see if there's going to be something that's going to swoop in like Coda did last year to yeah. kind of ruffle some feathers and, and cause a shock. Um, that's interesting. Everything everywhere all at once is is the forerunner. I mean, I would definitely like, I would pick that film over Banshees. I just think like Banshees feels like this Os- this Oscar kind of film, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, the one that will, that will win because of, you know it's a tearjerker or whatnot you know yeah um but i but you know i would i would be i would be very happy to see everything everywhere all at once i think that was a much more unique film and you know re- really changed like just a different film and uh so much going on and um i would i would love that film to win 
I think even if it doesn't win, even if it doesn't win um, Best Picture, I think it's made such an impact on the award season, and it's going to take home awards either way across like the different categories. It's definitely going to get um, support and actor. Um, I know I had said earlier that Kate Blanchett was unquestionably going to win Best Actress, but if there's anybody that's going to sneak in there, it would be Michelle Yeoh. She's the second favorite. But yeah, I can't, I can't see it, but. Um, yeah, there's def- there's an argument there. I think some of the experts from the last time I looked at that Gold Derby website were leaning towards her, but, um, but I think Kate Blanchett's got it in the bag. Um, um, yeah, I think like it's a credit to the film Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's not lost any steam from, I think it was probably about a year ago where everybody was uh, whining about it not having a UK release date and then it came out and it, it carried on that, like, uh, hype train and it's just it's never really stopped um so maybe it would be a worthy winner i think it's definitely a creative inventive fun film but i think i went into it with in a weird spot just because there had been so much hype and so much expectation around it when i went in it kind of like i think i need to watch it again i think i'm probably going to watch it again before the oscars yeah i think it i think it was so much i, I took in so much at the you know, at the first screening as well. Uh, and also it was just a big screen and it was great experience, but I agree watching that film again would be very, very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of best documentary feature, there's some really great films in the line and I've not seen House Made of Splinters and Navalny, but uh, All That Breeze, a fantastic film, All the Beauty and Bloodshed, great film and Fire of Love was so much fun to watch. So that's going to be a really interesting group, and I have I have to give a shout out to the I, I'm my one of my favorite um, categories as the best documentary short film, and I've not seen all of them unfortunately, but I um, I saw the Martha Mitchell effect, which is on Netflix, and it's really it's really interesting, and I know Beth Levinson, um, somebody from my New York days, so congratulations to um Beth for getting nominated for an Oscar and um I do hope it wins just as personal personal mm-hmm. connections and I'll see her up on the stage uh but that but yeah I I I need to check out um before I have some time but um before the 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 final documentaries that I've missed and um I hope maybe next year cuz we're we'll be announcing this later but um we're going to be bringing back our doc screenings on, you know, our monthly doc screenings to get people together and talk around the craft and sort of network. And that's our, that's our aim and plan uh, to get that going back, back in. And I, I I have a dream to run these short, short, not Oscar nominated ones. Um, A lot of people around here are like, Oh, who cares about the Oscars? But also on Twitter, they like to say that a lot, I I guess, but uh, you know, yeah, but they, 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 they moan about them every year and then every year they come around again and everybody's as invested in it as they were the previous year. So it's not it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. And I've always said and and I'll say it again. It's not about. Yeah, it's not, these aren't the best films. They're the ones with the biggest ca- marketing campaigns, but they're they're often you know that there is this arc to film making a film and if you don't have these awards at the end there is no end you know like and and it gives this opportunity for people to see films and often to see films that maybe people wouldn't see you know like you can say oh banshees of inisherin is a film that 
everyone would see, but would they, if it, if it hadn't been getting that buzz and, yeah. you know, so I, I don't, I don't always agree or things like after sun and, and whatnot, you know, it gets a lot yeah. more hits because of these kinds of nominations and stuff. And then people are starting, and you do see a lot of more people who have seen after sun because Paul Mescal got nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's great. You know, it, def- it definitely has an impact in, in, the, in the way kind of your, not people like us that are like, big film fanatics but just your average um your average cinema audiences i think like because it, it makes the news so people will hear about films that they wouldn't usually hear about um and when i went to see the whale a few weeks ago the screen was packed it was like yeah. i think it might have been a sellout which i feel like if it didn't have that um brendan fraser award type around it then i don't know then, then it, the, the audience would be half as big um so yeah i think it does have its plus points in terms of um people will want to try and see the films that are getting all the people are talking about in um and chats outside cinemas or even like just just in passing it's the films that are nominated for oscars the one the ones that people bring up in conversation time and time again people want to be involved in the conversation so they'll go and see these films yeah i mean the other thing i would say is that i I, but i think right after the the golden globes happened uh people were like oh that was the worst you know like least you know watched golden globes ever and blah 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 and i also think about that it's like well yeah so maybe there aren't the same generation and maybe generationally it's it's a it's an older program or something like Mm -hmm. that and i'm getting to the point where i'm older and i'm part of the older generation but at the same time, people are watching this on YouTube. People are watching this on like, you know, on social media. People are watching these clips. People are watching the the media around it and the hype around it. So it's not yeah. like everyone, every, like every time, you know, you, you've not seen all these films perhaps like right before the Oscars, you haven't had time, but it's going to continually to reverberate. Like, you know, I went and watched White Lotus after, you know, seeing that won the Emmy. And so yeah. by the, you know, by the, by the Golden Globes, I had seen it and I was ready, you know, I was ready and excited to, you know, to, to, to say, to win, to say great job, but, um, yeah. you know, and, and laugh at the wonderful, like trunk, uh, you know, uh, speeches, but yeah, so I, I, I don't totally think that they're, they're not losing importance. I think it will always be, in, they will always be relevant, but whether or not they're, they're good or well put together or whatnot is a whole nother, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother episode and we can do it next time. Speaking of a uh, nominated film and, and one that is nominated for is uh, for her feature debut, we will be talking about uh, Blue Jean and uh, Gary, you, um, yeah, you 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 can tell us about this film and give us a little overview. Yep. Um, so, yeah, like you said, it's a debut feature from writer and director Georgia Oakley. Um, it's set in 1988 in the northeast of England. Um, so it was when Britain was under uh, Thatcher's rule. Um, and it was at a time when the government were introducing a policy called Section 28, which was... Uh, to prohibit the promotion of homosexuality by local authorities. Um, And the protagonist of the film 
her name is uh, Jean. She's played by Rosie McEwen, and she's a lesbian, and she's a, a PE teacher at a high school. And the film kind of follows her path. Um, and when a, a new student joins her class, um, who she sees at a, a local gay club, um, it kind of like causes some ruptures in her personal life and it's how she navigates these problems while being closeted at her day job um and i i really like this film i think um i think it was it's really well made it really like feels the the, the production design really gives it like that 80s grain um i think it's really well made visually um really well acted um yeah what what did you think of this one amanda um i totally agree it was the actually the first film i'm embarrassed to say i've seen in the cinema this year uh so i i but i've been uh yeah it was just uh from the moment it was yeah the film started i loved everything about the look and feel of the film so just starting visually um the titles and the costumes uh it was very muted and made you certainly i mean the feeling of like thatcher like north east britain came across very effectively and something it just sort of like feels like a uh, morrissey song or something like that you know um yeah, yeah. very gray and you know blue tones hence the name but you know um but also like just gorgeous like from the like also kind of this feeling of like watching um Rosie you know sort of putting stuff through her hair it just feels very like visceral and sort of I, there's there's something really sensual about the way this film was made so starting in that way I, I I loved it um I really really loved this film in terms of a story and I think it shows I think we'll talk a little a lot about like trauma but I think it really I think Georgia mentioned that she wanted to do a film around the LGBTQ community that was not always about the positive end, you know, like, I mean, I love pride, but you know, it's like, it's not mm. always this positive story of something. This is a quite, quite challenging time. Um, and you, you know, you really un understood how afraid um, main character um, Jean is and you know making decisions whether or not you know they're right or wrong um you know like the for her for her survival yeah and um i think it was really interesting how it played out that central relationship between her and her girlfriend um viv who's played by Carrie hayes and i think the differences in the way that they present themselves is very um it's contrasting um in terms of i think Viv very much kind of wears her heart on her sleeve and she's mm -hmm. unapologetic about who she is and uh, and what she does. Whereas I think Jean's in that predicament where she's in that, she, she's obviously working for a school, so she's working for the local government. So she needs to like maintain that level of professionalism, which kind of like keeps her, um, keeps her closeted. So she can't really be who she wants to be. And I think um, there's like a nice, um, journey she goes on that's kind of like illustrated through what's on TV in her flat so like mm -hmm. there's an early scene where she's watching Blind Date 
which was very much like a, uh, like a primetime Saturday night TV show in Britain, which kind of like flaunted a very heteronormative um, culture um, where it was one guy decided between three women or it'd be one woman deciding between three guys. And, um, and I think like she's invested in that show at the beginning and her girlfriend's kind of like, why, why are you watching this? And then you kind of see that that journey that she goes on throughout the film where by the end, she, she doesn't want to watch that show anymore. So it kind of just like, it's a subtle thing that like speaks volumes, I think. And it's something that's actually still uh, very prevalent in the UK um, and the mainstream culture. now that we've got things like take me out and love Island on, Mm -hmm. on our screens, and it shows that we've come a long way, but there's still a lot further to go in terms of like exclusivity, in terms of the culture. Back, I mean, not too long ago. Uh, I mean, and now, unfortunately, the, these sto- these things are coming back in terms of, you know, political. Yeah, I mean, again, um, but that you know, you to have a career to do what you want as a woman, you know, and as a woman who. Uh, was part of the LGBTQ community, you know, this was near impossible to be out that way and to, to be able to be in that, you know, and that that's just a horrible thing. And, and it, and one of those things where you, you, you actually really feel it in this film, you feel the tension and you feel the, the you know, like having to make a choice about your identity and who you are and, and what you represent, like what you present to other people and, and, and how you have to withhold and lie. Um, in order to survive it's just it's really like i i really really felt her emotions in this film and i like mm-hmm. you said i think viv was a really interesting sort of counterpoint to that but also yeah. you can see their their love for each other and their understanding and i think that was a really also wonderful uh portrayal of a you know of a relationship as well so mm-hmm. i really i loved that part of it as as much as i loved you know the other aspects of it and i'm, I'm massively into fashion as well <laughs> so but i'm an 80s person um and yeah i have to find my swatch watch her white her white watch got me the, through lots of scenes um yeah. but uh yeah no i think i think it was and, and it's incredible like we'll be talking to to marie from electric malady but like it's really incredible the british debut films that have come out this year i mean it's some of my favorite films um yeah. you know are in that category of the baftas and um I, I mean i really hope um more people all over the world see these films really really ta- like really great films yeah yeah i've been uh, flying the flag a little bit for this film um online since since i saw it i think um it's got a really good release in terms of like the cinemas that it's on in and um yeah i would um encourage people to to see it for sure and um yeah i would i would say in terms like you say about um these new british movies i think this is i know we're early in the year but it's, it's the best british film i've seen this year for sure for um say so yeah probably the best best film i've seen this year at all i would say yeah that's hard. I've seen a lot of really good films this year already. Although this was the first one I saw in the cinema and I was just like really, really captivated. I do think, you know, in that, in that category, it's hard for me, even when the BAFTA, uh, it was hard for me to even pick, but I do think 
this is one of the stronger, you know, I, I really do like Joanna Hogg's films and I, you know, I really, I really loved the souvenirs. Um, I liked souvenir one randomly more than souvenir two, but like this one, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, you know, this one is, is I think as exceptional as those films are, you know? And so mm -hmm. I, I really think it, it has its merit to be, you know, really celebrated and be seen uh, in lots of cinemas. And I hope, um, I hope it gets a lot more play. So Blue Jean is out currently in cinemas. Um, it's definitely at the cameo right now. So check it out and, uh, and uh, tell us what you think. So the second film we um, are going to review is the documentary film subject. Um, and it was just at the cameo. I believe it's going to come out again on the 3rd of March, but there were, they had a preview screening um, at the cameo with uh, the directors, uh, Camilla uh, Hall and Jennifer Tixiera, as well as um, one of the uh people subjects in um in the staircase uh one of the daughters in in that film in that 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 show that documentary series um i that this film is really i really hit me and i thought was quite interesting to talk about because as a documentary lover and as a documentary filmmaker myself um i often sort of think about like you know, the process of what happens to someone when they become, you know, a documentary subject and you're, you're, you're constantly sort of then aware of their lives, whether they be positive or negative or, or whatnot, and, and how that has some, a personal impact. It's a very big ethical question. And this film looks at some really famous documentaries, actually really frames the concept around, you know, when documentaries became super famous and kind of starts with films like hoop dreams which is an incredible film um you know and uh capturing the freedmen's as well another film that you know most people who would have seen said probably made them want to be documentary filmmakers and these stories are quite you know i mean uh go real in depth in terms of like you know the, the these lives and the stair the the staircase is is you know is one of the classic kind of true crime you know tv shit well i guess tv series version but it really like it interviews very key people in a lot of films i would say five or six films mm -hmm. and has that reflective back what did this documentary do to you um and brought in brings in real ethical conversations around should somebody in a documentary get paid you know, or should they even, even the transportation or whatnot get, you know, but, you know, be taken care of. And, um, you know, some people would say no, some people wouldn't, but I think this really addresses, you know, the impact that these films and these filmmakers and these artists, you know, like are having on, on human beings. And, um, and there, and I thought that was really, I think it was really good for that, for that purpose alone, if not also just giving you kind of a, overview of some of the documentaries over the over the past few years gary how did you feel about this i know you're not as maybe as big yeah. of a documentary fan but <laughs> yeah i think you're a lot more uh well versed in documentaries than than i am so for me that i found it very insightful and informative and it kind of made me think about documentaries in a new way which i guess is the the point of the film i think it raises some really interesting questions like 
like you mentioned around the the pay and about um the way that documentary filmmakers could be accused of manipulating their subjects to tell a certain story um yeah i found it really interesting it kind of felt like there was like a new perspective to to see these stories we were kind of like watching from the wings a little bit in terms of like you could see the story that they were telling but then this film kind of like let you behind the curtain to like see the impact that that had upon the the subjects and uh <laughs> yeah this will uh show me up for how little I, I know about documentaries and that I had I had heard of three or four of the films that they were like focusing in on but I'd actually uh, never seen any of them um, I'd heard of the staircase kind of the, the most I guess because again the, the HBO turned it into a TV series just last year so it was kind of like in the limelight again which uh, which is kind of spoken about in the film about this kind of like trauma that the family went through and how that keeps getting dredged like keeps getting dredged up again and again um so yeah I, i'm kind of treating it almost as like it gave me a a watch list to to go through and see these films because you kind of get snippets um snippets of them i think it was really well structured to film how it kind of focuses in on five main documentaries but then there's like tiny little glimpses into other ones and there was actually a quote that I had taken from the uh, filmmaker Bing Leo, um, who had directed Mind in the Gap, which was a skateboarding mm -hmm. documentary. And he had kind of described his art as kind of going into an ethical, moral jungle, which I think really just captures the essence of this entire film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the interest. I guess I, I, I agree with you. I think the other thing is at the beginning it, that I, I was blown away on how many um, film clips that were in this. And so as someone who's like, thinking with her producer head, I was just like, oh my gosh, how like you had to ask every single like documentary in the last like, you know, 30 years or whatever, you know, like permission to show it. And sure enough, when you look at the credits, it's it's cool. It shows quite a lot of examples. And there's an undertone to understand that like those are potentially those potentially have conflicts as well or you know i mean i think one of the more classic ones that people talk about is gray gardens and you know because they're these uh two women were you know living kind of in you know in in dilapidated you know house and whether or not they were being manipulated by these filmmakers and I I made you know I actually wrote a paper about it I'm really passionate about it I I don't think that they were um and I think there's re arguments to say that that they were very much invested in it but I think since then there's always been this conversation about you know sort of ethics and that I think Michael Moore is notoriously from the very beginning played around with timeline and you know and but ultimately you're making a film so like that's that's the hardest part about this conversation is that you know if you were making a narrative film about well I mean there's still ethical conversations with that but you know you look at like the Pam Pamela and Tommy Lee sort of you mm -hmm. know mini series they were you know they they didn't even you know get permission to you know to, to talk about mm -hmm. the this story as at the same time but there aren't these there isn't a blueprint for making a documentary in fact the point of a documentary is that it should be real and it shouldn't you shouldn't play around with the time or that's the 
that's the conceptual thought about about it and um so I think this film really does bring into things that like oh just because it's a factual film and we're supposed to be like a fly on the wall watching you know these characters we still as human beings have an ethical responsibility in treating the people that we interact with well I also thought it was interesting that quite a lot of them um you know built relationships with the filmmakers and then that's still that kind of fourth wall sort of idea mm -hmm. that I mean I mean, I also watch a lot of reality television um and it's not documentary film but I do think there's this this there's still these ethical questions around that yeah. or they're attempting to model the idea of a reality television show like a documentary you know there there's so many so many ethical issues in those in that space and there's yeah. quite a lot of programming out there um in this world that follows this model so we really should be talking about it yeah i agree i think that the um, reality tv i mean i guess it is its own thing but then there is still that element of trust that the subjects of reality tv show need to have in the producers and the way that it's edited and the way that they're um portrayed because it kind of creates a narrative that people in documentaries or in tv shows are characters and they're thought of in in that way but yeah you need to like have that sort of social responsibility when as you're watching it to recognize that these are real people and they're real stories and they should be treated like the same way that you would treat anybody that you meet in person um in terms of like how you make your judgments on them because they can only they're only being shown in the way that the filmmaker wants to show them yeah so yeah definitely made me think about uh the way that documentaries are made um and yeah i i just kind of tried to soak up all the information from it and make myself a little list of like things that I had to see for me like I've seen like a, a tiny fraction of the documentary films that you'll have seen but I was just enjoying when when one popped up that I was like oh I know I know that one like I've seen that one so there is like a can I can imagine for like documentary film fanatics like yourself it's be um really cool to see all these stories kind of like spoken about and discussed in one place yeah that sort of reminds me of I was watching uh Mark Cousins uh, his on Netflix his his latest film I think the story of film the next generation and I just found myself like you know writing down this massive list of films I've yet to see yeah. <laughs> but um you know that it, it this film has kind of has this like beginning which is a little bit like again an overview of history of documentary filmmaking over over time and I thought I think that frames it quite well I think it's an informative film I don't you know like we're, you know we're talking uh about electric malady um you know later that is a creative documentary and the most utmost gorgeous sense you know like it, it whisks you away and and we also talk about some of these sort of you know issues around you know like the subject I think what also was interesting is this idea of subject I think that was a really interesting conversation around you know what we call the people in a documentary film and and what does that say and how is how is that based on pre sort of con concept you know like ways that people filmed people around the world early on and we should be cautious about just even the language that we use and the way that we treat people mm -hmm. um I think all of this was very informative. I think it's it's probably one of those films that documentary filmmakers are going to be 
asked to watch and you know in you know yeah, documentary schools or whatever uh uh so it was it was probably a long time coming um the film right now is uh is available well it, it's available i think on the march 3rd but it's uh, been being distributed here in this in in the uk via dogwolf uh, so if you're a documentary filmmaker or a documentary film lover and you didn't catch it um, while it was in the cinemas, uh, be sure to check it out. So the third film we're going to review is uh, Nostalgia. It's um, it's it's out in UK cinemas right now. Um, so uh, but it was I think it was at Cannes last year as its premiere and Gary you uh you you're going to tell us about this film uh yeah so uh Nostalgia is uh the latest film by director Mario Martoni um it stars Pierre Francesco Favino uh, who plays Felice who is a man that uh, he grew up in Naples um but he's been living in Egypt for the past 40 years um, so I think he had left Naples when he was 15. He's supposed to be 55 now. And he returns to his hometown um, to to look after his his mother, who's got um, uh, ailing health. Um, and the story's kind of about him returning home and uh, kind of revisiting his past in that way. Um, obviously, the film's called Nostalgia, so there's like, it kind of toys with that idea of going back to your hometown and how that makes you feel. And it's kind of like a, a bit of like a faux nostalgia. Like, should he be feeling these warm feelings towards his his past? And then as, as the story goes on, you kind of find out a little more about what had happened when he was a teenager and why he had to, uh, why he had to get away. Um, and it's a kind of like a very contained character study, which... Isn't, isn't what I was expecting going into it because I, I had seen some headline in the Guardian review calling it a crime yarn and I recognise Pierre Francesco Favina, uh, Favino sorry, from films like Sabura and other like more gangster films. Um, so I was kind of going in expecting that and what the film gives is something very different. So I was pleasantly surprised by the direction that this film took. What did you think of it, Amanda? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, I think we've we've done quite a lot of Italian films over the last couple of years, and on 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 the show, and I I just think that it's not it's definitely not my kind of film these days, like the gangster film. So I wasn't necessarily looking forward to it. I think it, it pleasant. It surprised me in a in a certain way because of how pretty it was, which of course it's Italy, it's Naples. But I do feel like there were elements of the film that were exploring the city, you know, what like and and the 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 way that the city works and you know the communities within the city, and I think that worked really well. Um, I think that there was no there was I had no problem with any of the acting and or the you know the overall story, you know. I was, but it wasn't, you know, it it was it was something. It's like I've just I feel like I've seen. But you know this whole so I, I, this Cosa Nostra you know story is just not something I'm really you know mm. like wanting to see too much more of <laughs> like yeah. so I wasn't you know I mean I, I 
it, especially with the end, I won't give anything away, but you know, it just felt like, okay, you know, I mean, it, it, it was fine enough film. It's just not going to, it's not blowing me away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I, I I liked it more than you. I think it's kind of it, it is kind of the film that I'd be drawn to, and I think it was interesting that it kind of subverts um, expectations. And like like you mentioned, I think it's beautifully made in terms of its visuals. There's the cinematography is full of these like kind of like warm like burnt orange colors, um, and how it kind of like presents Naples in this way that I guess like it kind of shows um like the main character Felicity's like wrestling with his own identity in a way because I think yeah. like he's he's converted to Islam in his time while he's been in Egypt um so he's back home in Naples um and he 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 gets offered uh wine um and he's in in a pizza place and he's kind of like bedding into like the expectations of like what Italian culture is um and he kind of like fights against that to an extent um but then you see him kind of like settle back into possibly like old old routines and I think it's interesting um some of the little flashback scenes they kind of like switch the visual to make it this sort of super eight style footage which again ties into that uh nostalgia but like if if his his kind of like past is in uh kind of petty crimes um then it's like should he be feeling should he be feeling nostalgic for that kind of like past and i suppose that taps into like some of the uh the kind of film culture and like how much people love films like uh the godfather and these like italian crime epics that like people people love them so much but this kind of it presents it in an interesting way and it questions uh questions the ideas of like uh guilt over over nostalgia and yeah I feel like his his relationships with his mother was interesting I think the you know like the the I yeah coming back home and after 40 years and reflecting again on the city and sort of exploring the city. I liked all of that stuff. I think part of me though, didn't believe it's like, if you're not supposed to be here because of a crime or a situation that you have found yourself in, stay away. <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's like, what, because of this sort of, you know, I don't know, I'm from Orlando, Florida. And if, I mean, I, 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 I go back to see my parents, but if someone, if I felt like I couldn't get back I, for whatever, out of safety, I shouldn't live in Orlando, Florida. I would stay far, far away from yeah. Orlando, Florida. I mean, I know it's not Naples, but that's just, that's just the, like the re the, yeah, sort of the perspective of like believability of this was a little bit, it just mm -hmm. perhaps is what turned me off a bit. Like there's a lot of other important issues going on, but whether or not this guy can go back to like yeah. Naples because he's he was best friends with the with the bad man. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned in uh, uh, your hometown because it kind of reminded me a little bit of a film set in my hometown, um, which was Trainspotting Two, who came out like um, in the way that Renton, uh, like Hugh McGregor's character, returns to Edinburgh after all these years, and he's kind of yeah. wronged people and got away, and then it's like. Yeah, it's coming back and and 
wanting to fall back into your old routines, but then you know that your past is going to uh, catch up with you and uh, you kind of see, uh, yeah, you see kind of, you see Felice kind of c- confront his past. Um, but yeah, again, like you, like we can't, can't say too much about how, how the plot plays out. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> it is a film that is out um, and it's, it's quite lovely. It's makes me want to go to Naples. I'm dying to go to Italy. Um, so uh, nostalgia is, is, is available um, in theaters around the UK. So check it out. So uh, the Glasgow Film Festival is coming back. It's starting on the 1st of March and will be uh, till the 12th of March. And um, I believe we'll be doing, well, we're planning on doing a Glasgow Film Festival special. So you'll be hearing from us shortly again about certain films and whatnot. But I thought we would just kind of go quickly to sort of talk around, you know, some films that are kind of big, big deals that are coming out or um and we'll be also reviewing on this um on this show uh girl as well so gary uh you've covered the glasgow film festival for a few years now quite a few years mm-hmm. um how do you feel like this year you know uh stands up for previous years uh yeah i think the the lineup in glasgow is always good um i think it's uh and i i like that it, kind of centers around the GFT. I think it's like a really cool little cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited. I'm all, I'm always um, excited to go to Glasgow. I usually just try and uh, pack all my screenings into like one weekend. So I think I'm looking at going like the 4th and 5th of March this year. Um, but for from a press point of view, the, the, uh, they've got like a really good uh, platform uh, this year. And they're, uh, they've got like an online platform that you can watch films on that. And uh, they're also doing something that uh, they've kind of taken cue from London Film Festival, I think, where they're doing uh, partner screenings as well across Scotland. So there's some of the films that are on the programme at Glasgow Film Festival that are getting shown, I think, in uh, Dundee and Inverness and Aberdeen, I think, and uh, Edinburgh as well, which is great for me. So there's one that I've got a ticket for that I'm going to see at the the Cameo um, film called The Five Devils um by Leah Mycias. Um I don't know if I pronounced that right, but she she had uh, wrote uh Paris 13th District last year, which was like one of my favorite films of the year. So I'm excited to see that. So that's kind of top of my watch list. Um but I think it looks like a really good program. Um I've got my kind of like my my three three ones to watch which might not be the the ones that'll like carry loads of hype but there's one called Paris Memories with the director Alice Winnicore it's on my list and then there's uh, a fun Canadian one called I Like Movies it's directed by Chandler Levac and it kind of looks a little bit like Funny Pages which was by Owen Klein that was released last year Um, so the kind of the premise reminds me of that so I'm going to definitely try and check those out and squeeze as much into my uh, into my weekend as a can and then I'll put coverage out either through the radio show for Cenotopia or just on my on my website as well yeah um that's interesting I didn't know uh yeah that uh 
yeah, basically that there was screenings also, as I guess it's at the cameo. I did see a preview for Rye Lane, which I thought looked really cute and interesting. Um, a film I would want, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it's two um, Mark Cousins films, which also both of them look really interesting and they're having their premiere. There's, I don't know if it's a UK premiere or Scottish premiere there. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite a few documentaries that are quite a bit interesting as well and i have to say because of something we wanted to do with cinescapes in the past they are doing a live score to under the skin which is really fascinating they have some great live events um they have an incredible industry program um and i'll be going to some of that as well i think um definitely if you're a filmmaker in scotland and particularly in glasgow to check out their industry program and to go because you'll meet a lot of people um there's there's definitely a lot of mixtures of actually I saw that um, Jonas Chernick who we interviewed last year uh, uh, is also having another film in this this year I think it's like his third and three in a row uh, so uh, but but quite a lot of options and um, I definitely think you should definitely take care look at the program there's just so much on and I just started to look at it and uh, yeah I'm, I'm yeah yeah there's loads I don't think I don't know if there's a physical program. Uh, this year which yeah. seems to have been like uh like since the pandemic like not all the festivals are doing that so it's all usually good to like leaf through that and circle things and highlight things out but um but the the website's pretty user friendly to just kind of look at their their diary planner on there and try and uh map it all out yeah it's going to be a great program definitely check it out if you can and you're in scotland um we are going to be doing right now um, a review of the premiere. So the premiere night uh, is a film called Girl, and it is um, by Adura Anish- Anishile, a Glasgow-based uh, filmmaker, originally from London, a British-Nigerian um, filmmaker, actor, filmmaker, theater, mm-hmm. playwright, um, lots of work in the past around theater and um, actually I think have quite a few famous friend shows over the years um, and uh, did a short film based on one of them that was called Expensive Shit that was in the Glasgow Short Film Festival but this film Girl is um, Adura's uh feature debut and it um it had its world premiere at Sundance um and I think it got a lot of great reviews so it's having its European or UK um it's it's next stop is basically Glasgow Film Festival the film revolves around a mother and child and uh who've just just recently come here from Africa it's very much a story about these these two two people who live in what would be a uh, sort of council houses, I believe, in Glasgow that are that that are not in their best shape. In fact, uh, one one of them goes on fire at some point. It sort of harkens back to the Grenfell disaster, but it's mostly about um, the 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 trauma between uh, the Grace, who's the mother, who's quite young, um, in the and and. Her, and the impact that that's having on her daughter, who she, Ama, who, who is not, at times not allowed to go out of, I mean, we're talking about the documentaries like Wolf, it almost feels a little bit like Wolfpack, very worried about the safety of her uh, daughter and in part because of the trauma that she's dealing with, with what, you know, what had, had happened to her in the past. Um, 
And then the daughter then kind of does go out, does go back to school and meets a friend and they sort of build a community. And, uh, and at some point they have to move out of this uh, building into another sort of estate. And it's really a sort of this process of getting out of, yeah, sort of learning to feel safe in a new environment. Um, and I, I, I'll, Gary, you tell me what you think um, about the film, and I, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, um, yeah. I suppose touch about so they they live in like a, a Glasgow tenement flat, and I think um, it kind of has uh, some roots in terms of like the 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 environment that it takes place in. You kind of think of these like British kitchen sink dramas, which kind of mm. alludes back to like the the kind of look that. Uh, blue jean has that we we talked about earlier but i think what this does is it tells a story that's a british working class kitchen sink drama but from the perspective of like the the immigrant experience and i think it, it subverts the aesthetic a little bit in the way that the the way that the film makes glasgow look because i think usually you see it and it's bleak and it's uh grays and it's blues whereas this the cinematography is luminous in terms of like there's a lot of nighttime shots with these like purple and orange lights so I think that's quite a um kind of creates a different look to the type of story that it's telling and um, it actually re- it reminded me a little of uh the film that we talked about last month the uh, San Omer in mm. terms of um telling that story of the immigrant experience and some of the problems of isolation and trauma that can come with that in terms of trying to um live a life in a in a new place and this again like Saint Omer is a story about motherhood and um it looks at how Grace is uh, protective of her daughter Amma and how how that kind of like love for her daughter manifests itself into different ways uh because of her past experience and I think what the film does quite cleverly is it doesn't really like let you know exactly what happened before Mm. so you kind of there's like that element of uh mystery in terms of like what Grace has gone through um actually I think the the performance from the actress that plays Grace her name's uh Deborah Lukumiena um I think she's terrific and people might remember her she had a breakthrough role in a film from 2016 called Divines, where it was like kind of coming of age friendship story. And she was like very like larger than life and comedic in her portrayal. So um, yeah, it was a little surprise for me. I realized it was the same person. She's uh, equally as effective, but it's a very, very different role. Um, But yeah, I think the the performances are great. It looks great. There's like an atmosphere to it that's really interesting. My... Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of issue with the film is that I feel like there it's not I've not usually got a problem with films that are too light on plot I think if there's enough other stuff going on that's it's interesting but I feel like there's a little bit too much empty space in this film in terms of like filler scenes um, and it's only an hour and a half but I don't know whether it maybe could have benefited from being like a really tight short Um yeah just to try and like rein rein the film in a little bit because I do feel like there's maybe just not enough story to it kind of 
kind of overstays its welcome and it's only at like I think an hour and 26 minutes so that is our problem with it but it doesn't take away from the fact the 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 positives that the films have has uh are very good yeah and I I don't know if we I think I did mention this is her debut feature um it uh I I really liked this film I think I liked it more than I expected to um, I think what you said about the look and feel, I mean, perhaps it's because I thought, oh, shot in Glasgow, it's going to be bleak and, and whatnot. Um, it's, it reminded me more of than St. Omer, it reminded me more of the film Gagarine, which was a, also around sort of the banyu of Paris and sort of the, and the fact that though that, that, that tenement sort of building was then going to get destroyed. Um, but it's more of this idea of, dreaming um you know having these dreams of of life and and excite excite you know outside of these these spaces and while uh, while also making these spaces quite beautiful and i think the the colors as you said there's like lots of bokeh sort of lights that you would see from far away it it it, it was it was quite pretty the whole film was quite pretty just the attention to detail of all these shots from the socks to the, the costumes to the way yeah, to the colors of the walls and mostly like you said lighting in terms of dark and you know evening shots were really really colorful and you know pink and purple and and green and so I really loved all of that um and it but it reflected a lot of times that reflected sort of like the mood of you know of of the safety of this like you you know of this of mother and daughter sort of relationship and sort of the safety that they've built between the two of them and um on the other hand i think as you talked about with performances it it really did capture what a mother a single mother like grace uh has to go through in terms of if one's dealing with some sort of trauma in their lives how that has an impact on uh, the caring of your daughter and I think and 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 in a way that nobody in this film was ever really a bad person like nostalgia if you will really there was really positive like everyone was a a, a really good person who was at, or at least attempting like to 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 help um the situation yet you could really feel the 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 pain of grace that grace was going for going through and I thought it was very touching at the end as well. So I, I, I think I think it was worth the time that I put into it. I mean, you said it was short. I wouldn't want it to have been longer, but I, I really appreciated it. Perhaps because I was blown away by the beauty of the of the film and, and thinking about. And I do believe this is based on Adura's, like she said, slightly based on her life uh, or growing up in London, but um, has since moved uh, I think about 10 years ago to um, Glasgow and so that is really uh, uh, her home and uh, she really wanted to make a film you know Glasgow based and she thought mm -hmm. the story was very felt very Glasgow and I, I, I really liked it I thought I, I think it's it's a great opening film um, for the festival um, and I'm I'm happy that they're showing it. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a good opener in terms of the way that it presents um, Glasgow in a different way, and um, I think visually it's very striking. It's, it really uh, shows it's a, a promising 
debut for a first time director. It's really impressively made. Um, so yeah, I would. Yeah, I think it'll be a. I think it'll be a crowd. Uh, I think it'll go, definitely go down well as the opening gala film of Glasgow Film Festival. Yeah, and I mean it. it made it. In, I think it got fairly good reviews in Sundance as well. So I mean, I think it'll probably. It's a, it's a strong. It's a strong film. It's a good. It's a good opener and um, quite beautiful. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing more from Adora Anishile as well. So um, we think you should check it out. Uh, so if you can get tickets, I'm sure, I don't know if they're sold out yet, um, but the girl, I think it's playing in all three um, cinemas on, on the first night and then we'll be playing again on another part. Do you, are they playing it in, on, in the satellite screenings as well? Um, I'm not sure actually, I would need to check that, but uh, I know that any, anyone Edinburgh based, yeah, check the Cameos website and they'll have their listings that they, they're shown stuff that's on the Glasgow programme. All right. Uh, so check it out. It's uh, 1st of March, the opener of Glasgow Film Festival and its girl. Um, so welcome back. And I'm here with Marie Ledean, uh, the director of Electric Malady. Marie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So um, I I read a little bit about your film. I think your film is really powerful, and also um, just personally, you know, I've uh, my a family member, you know, had an illness that was not sort of recognized in the country that I come from. So I it really hit me hard emotionally. But I hear that it is a personal story for you as well. Is that how you came to the subject of the film? Um, yeah. So my. My mom um, suffered from electrosensitivity when I was a, a child. So I kind of, from the age of age of eight, um, lived with a very limited um, kind of ex um, exposure to electricity. We, we kind of completely rewired our house and um, used candles and oil lamps instead of lamps. And um, yeah, it was quite a, an unusual childhood. I guess. And what made you want to come back to that story as a subject, as a theme in your filmmaking? Um, I was actually getting uh, to the age that my mom was when she developed electrosensitivity. And I started just, it started just, you know, I, I started thinking about it all the time and worrying that, may, you know, is this genetic? Is this, am I going to get the same thing? Um, and then I I was like, actually, you know, this is this is a really interesting story. Um, but then, you know, like from the beginning, it, the film was going to be about my experience and my mother's experience, and um, the I, I, I you know like the experience of a child looking at an illness like this, and and your understanding uh, when you can't really see that someone is ill. Um, and we filmed several characters as well, um, a child in Canada and kind of teenager in Sweden and other teenagers in Sweden. But um, in the end, in the end edit, it was this William story and his family story just took up more and more space. And the, in the end, there was no room for, <laughs> for us. 
Wow. So it was multiple um, stories kind of weaved together over sort of a subject, uh, a theme, and then it really then became this personal story. That's incredible. Um, why, William? Uh, it was just, he. It and how long did you follow that family story? Because I think, like you said, that what really touched me was the relationship that he had with his parents and the parents um, sort of dedication to this and and also ability to joke sometimes or, or certain ways and and it was uh it was really it was really painful I mean painful and 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 but also very sweet as well um yeah I mean I they're incredible um I think they're just such uh, an inspiration uh, for like how to tackle um or go through something like this um but I met I came across their family because I, I put an ad out in this magazine that goes out to electrosensitive people in Sweden. Uh, and I, I mean, I got so many letters. It just poured in, you know, some people can use internet. So they, um, you know, I got emails as well and some phone calls. And then one of them, those calls were, was William's dad. And so we spoke a few times on the phone and then I decided to go and see him. Um, or William and then I was really cautious in the beginning because you know William looks very extreme um, yeah, and he is you know yeah very ill and and the way he looks like electrosensitives are already really afraid of how they look or how they are seen um, so I, I just I don't know was a bit dubious about about using William as a character but then after I just spend like half an hour with him I was just you know I I, I, just, I think he's just amazing he's so you know deadpan funny and he's he's so gentle and really philosophical in the way he thinks about life you know he obviously spends a lot of time by himself thinking about life and memories and and love and colors you know all these things that he talks about in the film and and I just felt like his the way he looks and his experience is this kind of um metaphor or or you know really talks about a, a kind of general uh, experience of uh, that electrosensitive uh, electrosensitives have gone through um yeah and his family I mean his parents they're just incredible yeah. And you really see the pain that comes from being on the outside trying to help someone. Absolutely. And and the anger, you know, the the kind of irritation that comes with that as well. And um yeah, just yeah, I just fell in love with him. Yeah. And wonderful how so interestingly enough we are reviewing a film um that uh, another documentary around subjects uh on this on this show so the idea of subjects in documentaries um and sort of the ethical ideas around sharing someone's story and um I wonder how you felt and sort of approaching someone who's living with this I think I also saw that in some of the other previous interviews you've done in terms of the fact that he's not well and uh and in a lot of pain and you're filming this for quite a long time um how did you approach sort of the idea of telling his story 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it was a really, really difficult film to make. Um, first of all, like, because it, it was really dark for a while. You know, William was really, like, really depressed. And, you know, uh, the film talks a little about suicide as well. And um, which is, I mean, so hard as a filmmaker to handle as well. You know, I had to, um, I was speaking to psychiatrists and, you know, because I, I, and also it's like, you have to, you're like, what kind of film am I making here? Am I making a film by someone who's about to kill themselves? And which is like horrible. And then um, illegally, what does that mean? And, and also he was, you know, he was using the film as, and he was speaking to me about things that he didn't speak to anyone about. Wow. Um, and, you know, I don't know, it's really hard to navigate. Um, but, you know, it was filmed over a seven year time and it was many ups and downs. Now he's in a really good place. Um, but I think, I guess you always have a, a need to think about it. like if you're are you, are you exploiting your character like and it's really hard and of course because he was just our presence with him there in the room had a physical effect on him yeah um which is just this you know massive extra weight on it, 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 the those that those thoughts already like we had to make so many compromises with uh, our equipment um, and, you know, we were using hand cranked film cameras and, um, and, you know, a small DSLR camera was what we could work with. And still he, you know, after we'd been filming for a long time, he would have to recover. Um, but, you know, the whole thing, you know, William really wanted to tell his story and and it was important for him that we did this no matter how it made him feel um but yeah it was really it was difficult for that reason and really you know emotionally really hard and stressful sometimes yeah uh, absolutely to be there and so sad i think in a way you know he was so open with me from the very beginning um and and I think a lot of that some thing comes from not being able to see the person that you're speaking to as well. Mm-hmm. And there were some times when I was so upset, you know, just crying so much. But I managed to kind of hold that away from my voice. And I, so we just kept talking, even though I was a complete mess. Um, because, you know, he's talking about, yeah, wanting to end his life and 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 how desperate his situation is. But that didn't affect him telling me things. Mm. Um, so in a way, it was a gift of you know him being covered. However, that was very hard to get the film funded. <laughs> you know, people well, were like, "How are we going to relate to someone when we can't see their face?" Um, and it is very hard to to convince people that. Um, but that that segues well into one question I had, which you did bring a little bit up of um, the cameras you used. But I just found your film to be incredibly gorgeous, and just the way you shot light and out the outside, and you know, and all these details about 
the world that sort of you need to stop and and watch and 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 reflect upon. Yet a lot of the actual action is kind of in this room that was was quite, I mean, very depressing and sad and 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 whatnot. So I wondered how you approach the idea of 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 how to tell the story, but also I think, um, yeah, and I guess my second question is, yeah, what was the process in terms of selling a film um, like that? So, you know, and, and how, how, how long did it take for you to get it out there in the world? I mean, the whole process took about 10 years. Wow. Um, and really, really hard to fund. Um, I think it's a very controversial subject. It's about an illness. You know, it's not a happy film. Um, and we were, you know, this is my first feature. So I I guess I was really inexperienced in in listening to myself or being strong enough, you know, when everyone told me that you need to have science, it needs to be a scientific film, you know, having all these ideas, like it should be, you, you need this, you need not, you need loads of other characters. And then when enough people tell you that, you're like, okay, well, maybe we need to explore that, you know, to see if that's possible. And then it just took us on this, you know, really long journey just to end up back at the same kind of place that it should be about a family's experience going mm -hmm. through this. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was really difficult. And I nearly, you know, gave up before we got the final funding to 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 complete the film I was in I was like I can't call myself a filmmaker anymore this is ridiculous you know I I don't um I can't go on any more of these pitch forums and try to make money get money for this and I was so um just really ready to give up um and worried that I was just flogging this dead horse and no because no one like is it just me who's like seeing this incredible story but yeah luckily I didn't give up and um but it, it was not easy what I find really interesting as well is that it could like you said it could have been a science film it could have been I've seen again on different sort of different maladies different controversial maladies sort of like a more approach to try to win the audience over and believing um the characters and I or I mean the actual disease exists or something like that and I think this is just much more effective because it's a creative film that you really get to know the person and you believe in you believe in the story and you believe in you know their their pain and you know their their trauma it's yeah it's it, it's it's incredible it's gotten quite a lot of great uh you know so thank goodness you did stick through because it's doing quite well I think it I, did it premiere it's um CPH docs or and now is uh you're nominated for uh debut uh feature uh award at the BAFTA so congratulations um how has the process been for you yourself as a as you said a first time feature film um filmmaker taking it around and and sort of um yeah uh and now that it's done I mean that's a different part of the arc of a, a film isn't it so yeah I mean it's I mean the BAFTA nomination was just incredible I you know had no just never thought that that would happen. Um, 
but it's amazing and it's you know amazing for William's family and electrosensitives in general because it's like whether or not you believe this is real there are so many people um who suffer from this or think they are suffering from this so you know it's it exists and people are really suffering and you know living in their cars kind of fleeing the masts that is real um so yeah it's incredible and I but I was so what I thought I was gonna I was really worried that I was gonna get attacked by people because we're not attacked like not physically but that because it's such a toxic subject and I, I guess you're always worried when you're when you show your film to people first time but I I don't know I just thought people were going to get angry and the response in the UK has been amazing especially UK and people are really moved by the film and lots of people have contacted me who who, like you were saying it like who who've gone through experiences of other invisible illnesses um you know with ME or fibromyalgia you know like these diseases are quite little understood and that feel so connected to the subject yeah which is amazing yeah it's bigger bigger than electrosensitivity you know it's about long diseases that just go on and on for years and eats up your whole family somehow from inside you know people sacrifice their lives for their family members and it's like really hard yeah absolutely and how um I think I think what this story really hits again because it it feels personal too is that it's a decade journey of a family and it's a decade journey of a, a human's ability to cope and to you know and and to process pain um because it that takes you you go through so many different, you know, periods of your life and, and and times to give up and stuff. And yet I think what's really beautiful about your film is that it does end up on hope. And, you know, I think, you know, it wasn't, didn't seem like it was forced hope, you know, for the, you know, for the end of a film that, you know, is required. It's, it did feel quite hopeful. So I, I loved that as well. Um, You, you mentioned, 10 years, you know, to get this film out. Also, we previously, before we talked about taking a break, even from documentary filmmaking, in my head as a filmmaker, making a film takes a really long time and it's a lot of dedication. And it sometimes you do want to give up on that too. And also obviously with subject matters such as this, quite painful. Um, why do you stick with it? What do you love about it? And uh, do you have a new one planned? <laughs> like I... I always believed in 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 this story. Um, I felt really strongly about it. Um, and as I say, like it's a kind of universal story of of love and hope and, and resilience. I guess you know, like how you how you manage to go on and on for years. Um, but I, I'm also I'm a, I'm a really stubborn stubborn person. Like I don't really give up I nearly did in the end because I you know it was just 10 years of my life and I was like I need to move on I can't just do this anymore um but um I think I think I'm really happy with it I think it's a really beautiful film like I I love you know the, the you know the visual style of it um which kind of grew 
which also was a very organic you know like that that came out of the process and like I, I loved that it was like the the kind of filmmaking process was dictated by adapting to your subject mm. um and which is which is really special I think um but you know and obviously the best excuse ever to shoot on film because you're like no, well we have to because you know my character can only handle that um but yeah um I am working on something new which again I, I think I'm just really obsessed with subjects that kind of bridges the divide the divide on what we believe in and what we don't mm. um so um I'm, I've got a new feature project but it's still just a baby so I can't I I feel a bit too scared of putting it out there in the world yet but there is there is something and you know hopefully I was saying this on a panel the other week I was on this um uh, bird's eye view panel and speaking to all the kind of other nominees in my in my category and and some of them you know have done have done more more features and they say your second feature takes as long and I was thinking like oh my god I can <laughs> I can my next project cannot take another 10 years um but yeah I it's the my mind is is only interested in like things that are a bit different so <laughs> probably really hard to find again well I think yeah I you're like as you said your stubbornness persist and persistent it's more persistence uh really uh shows and I love that the film making style came you know came through throughout it's really again that a part of it that I love watch I love I'll watch it again and um hopefully in a cinema and um yeah because it's just it's really special and and a great film and um thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and uh we look forward to seeing the next one when it comes out but um in in the meantime everyone should check out electric malady which is is out in cinemas on the 3rd of march right in the uk is that correct first of march in london okay thank you again for your time and um i it was really lovely chatting with you yeah lovely talking to you too thank you For, for joining us as well and uh yeah gary it's it's i guess i'll be seeing you at the glasgow film festival in some capacity and probably talking to you more about about that apart from glasgow film festival which is very exciting um what's what's what films do you have sort of looking that you're looking forward to seeing outside of what we talked about today uh yeah i've got a, a really busy film week ahead for the next um, the next three nights i'm seeing uh, Broker by uh, Corrida, seeing a, a Belgian coming of age film called uh, Close by Lucas Daunt and I'm also seeing uh, Women Talking on Wednesday by Sarah Polly. so that will be the last Best Picture nominee from the Oscars to tick off mm. so um, yeah that will be I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that so yeah very busy week of films 
and you're going to be following um the the, the oscar predictions as well as at the same time yeah <laughs> your yeah. bets going i'll be keeping a keen a keen eye on that yeah um trying to look for any like markets where there might be um some value yeah my my bet for tonight for the baftas which by the time people listen to this will they'll know whether i've won or lost is that i'm going for elvis to win best production design uh which is second favorite to babylon but i think it might um it might it might do the business in one so we'll see yeah it seems fair that a baz Luhrmann film would 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 win production design yeah. and yeah for sure um, well, thanks so much for joining and uh, we'll, I'll see you soon and the film festival and uh, yeah, please go check out the Glasgow Film Festival's website and uh, make sure you go to some films and uh, and also just your local cinema uh, where they need you right now. Um, and uh, we'll talk. Thanks for having me, Amanda. Uh, see you soon. And we will see you next on the Glasgow Film Festival special. Thank mm-hmm. you.